You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Welcome to this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. And as normal, I'd like to start with a shout out to our new listeners. And this week we have new listeners from London, Reading, Ipswich, Swansea, Portsmouth, Doncaster, Leicester, Sandudno, Stoke-on-Trent, Cardiff, Derby, Bristol, Leeds, Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Southampton, Guildford, Birmingham and Nottingham. And we also have new listeners from Dublin in Ireland, from the Pyrenees in France, from Madrid in Spain, Lisbon in Portugal, Brussels in Belgium, and then Tilburg, Appledorn and Emmen, all in the Netherlands, Düsseldorf and Münster in Germany, Vienna in Austria, Tuscany in Italy, new listeners in Serbia and in Turkey, new listeners in Kampala in Uganda, in Bengaluru and in Mumbai in India, and in Hyderabad in India, in Tokyo in Japan, in Brisbane in Australia, Sao Paulo in Brazil, Ontario in Canada, and then in the US we have new listeners this week from Washington DC, from Washington State, from Oregon, from California, from Utah, from Colorado, Texas, Illinois, Virginia, Florida, Georgia, New York, and Massachusetts. And so a big shout out to all our new listeners, and of course a big shout out to all my regular listeners. I really appreciate every single one of you who takes 30 minutes or so out of your week to listen to the latest news from the world of GDPR. I hope you find the uh, podcast useful and entertaining. And if you have any feedback for me or you have ideas for who you'd like to see me interview in in future episodes or indeed articles you'd like to see covered in future episodes, then please do drop me a line to podcasts at insurety.co.uk that's e-n-s-u-r-e-t-y dot co.uk podcast at insurety.co.uk I do read every single email that comes in I don't unfortunately have time to reply to every single email but please be sure I do read them I do take note of what's in them and they do help to shape future content within the show so please don't hesitate to contact me if uh, you want to follow up on anything that's in this week's show and so in a few moments I'll be telling you what's coming up in this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. So coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have the results of a data security survey carried out by the business insurance company Histox. We have a look at a small nine-person company from the UK called SBXL and the problems that they've had with their YouTube channel and as a result, the breaches that they've experienced with GDPR, which are currently being investigated by the ICO. We then have some information for you, which hopefully will be really useful, on the GDPR status of school photographs. So particularly, I mean, it's particularly with sports day season approaching, uh, photographs which parents may take of their own children and what you can and cannot do with those photographs and whether, in fact, you shouldn't take those photographs at all, but it will become clear in that article about school photographs. 
We then move on to have a look at the UK local elections and how they're being affected by GDPR. And finally, this week, we end with a details of the judgment of a large data breach at Bounty, the children and mother group, which has resulted in Bounty being fined £400,000. So as usual, quite a mixed bag of articles here for the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. We start this week with news from a survey from business insurers Histox that the proportion of UK firms reporting a cyber attack has jumped significantly in the first four months of 2019. The research from Histox shows that 55% of companies reporting said they'd faced an attack in 2019, up from 40% who'd had an attack in the same period last year. But almost three quarters of firms, when they've been assessed by Histox, have found to be novices in terms of their cyber security and cyber readiness. Histox said that a lot of businesses especially small businesses incorrectly felt that they weren't at risk and Regular listeners will know, and anyone who's attended our training will know, that that's something that we really stress, is that actually any organisation, big or small, one person to 100,000 people, is still potentially liable to data security problems and therefore potentially data breaches under GDPR. Um, The firm went on to say that they had surveyed more than 5,400 small, medium and large businesses across seven countries, including the UK, Germany, the USA, Belgium, France, the Netherlands and Spain. It said there had been a sharp increase in the number of cyber attacks this year, and the average losses from breaches had also soared from £176,000 last year to £284,000 this year, an increase of 61%. Despite this, Histot said that the percentage of firms storing top marks for cybersecurity had fallen, with UK organisations being particularly badly affected. It said in part this was because the British firms had the lowest cybersecurity budgets, spending less than £600,000 on average, compared with Uh, around a million pounds on average across the whole group. They were also jointly slightly with USA firms to have a defined role for cybersecurity on their staff, i.e. they didn't have an appointed person. And certainly I find that with GDPR that's that's a worry because obviously every organisation above a certain size, a reasonable size, should have a data protection officer and yet I find now that often lots of companies haven't got as far as either appointing one. And remember that your data protection officer can be internal or external. So you can either appoint somebody internally or you can come outside to a consultancy such as ourselves and we can provide an external data protection officer service to you. And if you're interested in that, please do drop me an email to podcasts at insurety.co.uk or just pop along to our website at www.insurety.co.uk that's e-n-s-u-r-e-t-y.co.uk and have a look at the services that we offer. Anyway, back to the survey. 
they found that small companies, particularly British small companies, felt that they were less likely to be targeted. And part of the reason they found that was, of course, that only the really big data breaches tend to make it into the mainstream press. And, you know, we're on this podcast, we try and cover all nature of data breaches and not just the really large ones. However, Histrox also found that the average trust attack in the UK was lower than average. A UK data breach or data security attack was likely to result in a claim of around £182,000 compared with £715,000 in Germany and £384,000 in Belgium. Histrox did note that GDPR had prompted action uh, with 8 in 10 UK firms saying they had made or were planning to make changes since the introduction of GDPR last year. And it is good to see that even those companies who haven't yet taken the steps of being GDPR compliant, and unfortunately we do come across far too many of those, but even those that haven't are actually now planning at least to take steps to become GDPR compliant. And hopefully things like this podcast help to make more companies aware of uh, what GDPR is and why it's important. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. A small nine-person company from Litchfield in Staffordshire found itself subject to Daily Mail headlines this week. The company, SBXL, specialises in the psychological um, analysis of shoppers and what they do as they're shopping, how they shop, where they shop, what do they do when they see certain brands, what they do when they try on certain makeup, what they do when they try on certain clothes, etc, etc. And this information is then used by psychologists at SBXL to enable stores to improve their point of sale uh, shelving, layout, store layout, what goes on what shelf, what goes where, how high, how low, what colours people like, what colours people don't like, all these sort of factors which are obviously important to marketers in the real physical world. All of these information comes back from companies like SBXL and SBXL seems to be particularly successful. It has uh, former clients including a number of household brands like Tetley, Danone, Kellogg's, Dulux, Lint, Heinz, Rimmel, Weetabix, Coca-Cola, B&Q, L'Oreal, Warner Brothers, Pepsi and Canon. But what SBXL are specialists in, which some of the other companies in this field aren't, is that they capture high-performance digital recordings of shoppers whilst they're shopping. And they achieve this by putting hidden cameras either into the ceiling of stores or into the shelving of stores. So that whilst you're out shopping and you're innocently choosing which breakfast cereal you're going to buy this week, 
you could actually be being filmed either from the ceiling or from the shelf to see what your reaction is when you look at different products and particularly of course when you look at new products now by itself there's actually nothing particularly wrong with what SPXL are doing because they maintain in fact they're adamant that any store where this is taking place that there is signage in the store warning customers that the filming is taking place I would say that personally for me my family and, and the other people that I've been able to ask either we've been incredibly lucky and in that we've never shopped in a store where SBXL are filming or they don't actually have these signs because none of us can remember actually ever seeing one of these signs and indeed as part of the Daily Mail investigation and we must pay due credit to the Daily Mail here for the story that they uncovered the directors and employees of SBXL were unable to provide any examples of these signs actually in situ i.e. you know within a store to prove that they do have these signs but they say they do however the plot then thickens and this is how it became a story and a great story as I say by John Boyle at the Daily Mail is because the SBXL also have a YouTube channel and I think it's fair to say that even if they do have these signs in the stores where they're recording and, and the signs say they claim that the recordings are being made solely for market analysis and not for any other purpose that may well be true what it most certainly doesn't cover though is SBXL being able to put those films or excerpts from those films onto their YouTube channel for anyone to view and indeed if it, if it wasn't bad enough that they're actually doing this without anyone's permission they actually put together on their YouTube channel a Christmas special with uh, music borrowed from Benny Hill the, the, the TV show um, of bloopers that they'd recorded from these cameras whilst they were watching people shopping and I just, I've got out when I first read this story, I was absolutely staggered. A, that they could do this filming in the first place, but B, that they then thought it was fine to just put that film onto their YouTube channel. Why did no one stop to think, wait a minute, we probably don't have permission to do this? Anyway, the Daily Mail have reported it to the ICO, as you would expect, and the ICO are currently carrying out an investigation. And as always, when we know the result of that investigation, we have more details of that investigation, then we will bring it to you here in a future edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. But in the meantime, if you're out shopping and you notice that the cameras seem to be following you, then do be aware it could be SBXL who are filming you. Um, interestingly, since this story broke, a number of stores, in particularly Sainsbury's, have asked SBXL to ensure that they delete all the footage that they may have gathered from Sainsbury's stores. And so we wait and see what happens on this. Um, Samsung said it had investigated and confirmed it was not aware of any relationship with SBXL in the UK. 
Walker's Chris denied it had commissioned XJSL for filming of any kind. It said it had asked them for help with psychological analysis of potential Walker's Chris customers, but it had never been mentioned to them that filming would be part of that discovery. Now, to be fair, we've not had a chance to talk to XJSL to um, get their feedback on, on that. So bear in mind that we've only possibly got one side of the story there. Um, Kellogg's, another of the companies which has been involved, said they had used XBXL but not for a number of years and when they had used them it had only been for a single six week project in two individual stores. The Code of Conduct stipulated that the footage would remain anonymous and only collected, held and shared responsibly with the content, with the consent of the shopper. And so I think SPSL could be um, finding themselves in not dissimilar lines to Cambridge Analytica as this uh, story grows. But as I say, at the moment it's an ongoing ICO investigation and once we have an update from the ICO we will bring it to you in a future edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host Keith Budden. We are getting an increasing number of our customers now already contacting us to arrange an audit as now it's coming up to towards a year from when GDPR came in and they want to make sure that they're operating as they should be and we'd like to offer this service out to all of you, all of our listeners. Uh, so if you'd like us to perform an audit on your GDPR uh, operations and make sure that you are recording everything you need to be, that you have all the necessary procedures in place and that you know how to action those procedures. Please do get in touch with us via podcasts at insurity.co.uk. That's podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at insurity, E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y dot co.uk. Please make the subject of your email GDPR audit and we'll get the relevant person to contact you. Um, We're able to carry out audits either on-site or remotely, and for a pleasantly low cost. Um, I'm sure you'll be pleasantly surprised with the figure we're able to provide you with for providing the audit. I can't give a global figure here because it does affect, it does depend on how many employees, how many customers, how many records, etc you have um, but please do get in contact with us it's totally without obligation but do get in contact with us to arrange an audit because uh, if you do want the audit done around may or june of this year to be annual from when gdpr came in we are rapidly filling our diaries for that period so uh, don't delay do get in touch do it this week and we'll be pleased to provide you with a quote. And for the first five of you to contact us to request a, a data audit, a data breach audit, I'm pleased to be able to say that we will provide that to you for 50% of our normal fee. But that's only for the first five of you to contact us as a result of this podcast. Check us out on Facebook. One issue regarding images 
which has become a bit of a bone of contention since GDPR came into force, has been the whole issue of taking photographs of children at your children's school, whether that be for a stage production of a school play or an activity, or whether it's school sports day, for example, where you might well want to take photographs of your children. And we're aware that a number of schools have said, you know, simply we're having a blanket ban on that. No one can film, take photographs at a sports day or at a stage event of the children. Full stop. Just can't happen. And I think, not surprisingly, um, parents have been somewhat unhappy with that decision. Well, at last, after several months of nagging, um, the EU information commissioners have got their heads together on this and they've come up with some new guidelines. And their new guidelines are, is that as a parent, if you want to take photographs of your own children at school, in a play or in sports day or any other such event, then that is fine absolutely no reason in law why you should not take photographs of your own children be they on the stage as they or in sports field or wherever providing the photographs don't also include other children but only that restriction on not including other children only applies if you intend to put that image on social media so if you take photographs of your children at sports day and include other children and you think hey i'm going to stick that on facebook or instagram no you can't that will still fall outside the bounds of gdpr and in fact you potentially someone should sue you for doing that so please don't do that but providing the images only show your own children, and of course it may be that the image itself shows more children, but you can choose to either blur or crop out the other children before you put the image onto Facebook or Instagram or some other social platform, then that is absolutely fine. Nothing to stop you sharing photographs of your own children on social media, but what you mustn't do is share, uh, share photographs of other people's children unless you have explicit consent to do so. So just be careful on what you put onto social media, but in terms of taking photographs for your own use of your children, for display in your house or just to keep on your phone or your watch or your screensaver or wherever, is absolutely fine. And that can include other children too. That's not a problem in that scenario. It's only if you go to share the photograph via social media, then you need to be careful and make sure that the photograph only clearly shows your own children. Hopefully that clears that up. If you've got any questions on that, then as always, please just drop us an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. But hopefully that makes that clearer on what the situation is with photographs of children at school. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. We were asked to give our opinion this week on two leaflets issued as election addresses in the local elections. 
for those of you outside the UK, just to let you know that there are currently local council elections going on in the UK. The election date is actually on Thursday, the 2nd of May. And it affects almost all districts and borough councils in the UK outside of the two big cities of London and Birmingham. But pretty well everywhere else in the country there are elections going on. What arose was the fact that on an election address for one of the parties, they had a box saying how people could contact them and basically offering the choice of either by telephone or by email. But there was no mention of GDPR at all. On the leaflet of another party, they'd been advised that they should include a GDPR statement on their leaflet, um, even though, again, the same information was being collected, or not collected rather, just providing a email address or a telephone number. Having given us some thought and consulted the regulations, we gave the view that there was no breach of GDPR by the leaflet which didn't mention GDPR. And I thought I'd just explain our logic behind that decision, which was because the leaflet didn't have a form to fill in, didn't have something to complete, but simply had a contact email and contact telephone, then anyone either emailing or telephoning the political party via the appropriate communication method would reasonably expect to hear back from that political party, either by email or telephone, because that was what would be the point of the original email. Um, but we did emphasise the fact that they, the political party should only use that email or telephone number for the point of making that one contact with that individual, and that they shouldn't store those details of the email address or telephone number unless, during the course of the conversation, whether that conversation is actually uh, verbal or in writing via email, the constituent, the person who made the original request, gave their express consent for there to be further communication. I'm pleased to say that having since discussed that with the compliance uh, department of one of the two large UK political parties, they firmly agreed with our decision. And so I feel confident in our decision and and I've been pleased to provide that advice. And so if you receive a political leaflet that has a email address and a telephone number on it, but nothing else, then it doesn't need to include a statement about GDPR. And I think that covers more widely too, because I think you could make the same argument in terms of marketing leaflets for business. That if it's a flyer that's just been given out an exhibition or given out in the high street, it doesn't need to include anything about GDPR if it's not directly collecting information. If all it's doing is giving an email address or a telephone number, then that's fine. But, and it's a big, big but, you must make sure you don't store that information, that you only use it for the purpose of replying back to the person who's made the inquiry, and once the inquiry is settled, 
then you delete that person's email or that person's telephone number from your systems so you can't use it for marketing in the future unless you've expressly sought their permission to do so. And I hope that makes that clear. But if you've got any queries about it, of course, always feel free to drop us an email at podcasts at insurancy.co.uk. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. And we end this week with news of a fine from the ICO for a data breach by the parenting brand Bounty. Uh, Bounty have been fined £400,000 by the ICO in in punishment for an unprecedented data breach in the sense that it wasn't a case of um, a hacker, it was deliberate sales by Bounty who sold their data to companies such as Sky, Axiom and Equifax uh, without disclosing that they were going to do so to the parents who provided the information about their new children. For those who don't know, Bounty is a parenting club, for want of a better word, um, which provides free bounty packs of various baby-related goods to new mothers um, or new families when children arrive. And the Information Commissioner found that Bounty had shared over a number of years 34.4 million records with different outside companies and those records belong to more than 14 million people. And the ICA was particularly concerned because Bounty had shared information about potentially vulnerable new mothers or mothers-to-be. The Bounty platform collected the information from membership registrations on its website and its mobile app, as well as through merchandise pack claim cards, and indeed even in person at the uh, new mother's bedside. The ICO said none of the merchandise pack claim cards and none of the offline registration methods had an opt-in for marketing purposes, and via the website they felt that the privacy notices were not adequate as they did not specify that the information would be shared with the likes of Sky and Equifax. Steve Eckersley, the ICO's Director of Investigations, said Bounty were not open or transparent to the millions of people that their personal data may be passed on to such a large number of organisations. Any consent given by these people was clearly not informed. Bounty's actions appear to have been motivated by financial gain given that data sharing was an integral part of their business model. Such careless data sharing is likely to cause distress to many people since they did not know their personal information was being shared multiple times with so many organisations, particularly with information about their pregnancy status and their new children. Bounty provided us with a statement in which they said that Bounty did not take a broad enough view of their responsibilities and there's now a place to appoint an independent data expert whose findings will be published annually on the company's website. So hopefully that means that Bounty will now uh, improve their service and hopefully that will also spread across to other companies who operate in that space of targeting newborn children and their parents. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. 
So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. You can find out more about us at Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.